during contest prep? Did you experience changes in personality, irritability? And oh. did you experience any changes like emotional regulation? Contest prep is kind of lonely because you're with your thoughts, you're, with, you're, you're kind of in this tunnel vision, right? So it's you and you. Even if you have a support system, it's difficult from like an irritability standpoint. Yeah, I mean, not being able to eat you know, 80 grams of oatmeal or just recognizing that things are being taken away. Like your independence is almost being taken away from you. Are you willing to, to sacrifice eating out? Are you willing to sacrifice your Friday night dinner with your group of friends? Like there are things that you will have to sacrifice. You're constantly thinking about food. You're thinking about your next meal. And then also understanding that you might have to pick two or three shows because you might not be ready for the first show that you had on your calendar date because you might look like shit. What do you see contest prep athletes do after their show? They go eat all the food in the next two days that they that they weren't eating, which is borderline an eating disorder. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dr. Joey Munoz Show. I'm your host, Dr. Joey, nutrition science PhD and founder of Fit for Life Academy. Today, I have my worst enemy on the show. <laughs> Just kidding. Good friend of mine, and we like to roast each other. My very good friend, Paul Campbell. We both used to coach for Team BioLane some time ago. Um, and it's, I'm just glad that we were getting a chance here to reconnect. Paul, how are you doing today, my man? Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for the intro, Joey. And um, you're looking handsome as always. Uh, yeah, Joey you're and I are roast you, but you definitely can't roast me on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it civil for sure. You know, I'm, I'm doing really good. I, uh, you know, I, over the last, I would say eight months, I've had some pretty big shifts in, you know, my business, my direction. And, you know, some of those shifts, you know, I ended up taking a little bit of a step back, but in this current um, ecosystem I'm in now, I'm, I'm light years ahead of where I was eight months ago. So things are, things are going good. A little bit of background about me real quick. Uh, I, I own a private training facility in Montana called The Bar. And uh, recently we are under construction to add about 1,800 more square feet. I've purchased quite a bit more equipment from Rogers Athletics um, to go in there. And I'm just really anxious to kind of build that infrastructure out a little bit more. And I'll, of course, um, maybe offer some sort of small membership opportunities for the community um, to open it up to a little bit past by appointment only. And, uh, you know, I think I think we're poised to open in May with a new remodel. So I'm really excited to share that with everybody. But um, other than that, I'm doing fantastic. Holidays are great. We have no snow. Obviously, you don't know what that's like in Florida. Um, I'm a little uh, envious of the, the warmer climate when we have cold temps, but no snow. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. It's, it's great to reconnect with you, Joey. I know we've, we text and we talk um, on occasion throughout, throughout the weeks and months. And uh, it's good to see what you're doing, too. What have, what have you been up to? Yeah. Well, me and you do connect frequently, but we talk more shit than anything else and send each other funny memes. <laughs> um, I've been great, man. Honestly, everything's going really well. Um, coaching business is continuing to grow. As you know, January is a good month for all of us. Um, and I think this ties into nicely some of the things that we'll talk about here because so many people set New Year's resolutions, uh, which are great, right? I'm, I'm always encouraging of people uh, willing to tackle new endeavors, especially when it comes to health and fitness. But oftentimes, you know, people laugh, laugh about the New Year's resolutioners because it doesn't last long. Um, but anyways, things with business, business are going great, man. I'm always working on a couple of things, working on finishing up my course, working on launching a membership soon, um, which is all exciting stuff for 2024. 
Before we get into all of that, though, I would love if you share a little bit of your background, who you are, your competitive bodybuilding background, educational background, and what you do professionally as well, besides just own a gym. Yeah. So my, uh, I have three degrees. People don't necessarily know that about me. I have my associates in marketing and sales. I have my bachelor's in business finance, and then I have my master's in nutrition. So quite a big pivot between my undergrad and graduate career. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my formal training. Um, I've been a personal trainer for almost, a, almost 20 years. I can't give myself two decades yet, but, um, close enough. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a wild ride. I, I did a, a podcast earlier this week with Abby to, to talk about some of that stuff. And I won't, I won't bore everybody with the, the hour long dissertation about that, but, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, my, my formal education is in, um, in nutritional sciences, which has been a great catalyst and uh, which really complemented my coaching ability. Um, I also coach people online and in person. I've been doing that for, for quite some time. I retired back in 2020 from professional bodybuilding. Um, I talked about uh, kind of re-identifying myself to perhaps find a new uh, method of fitness that, you know, is, fits my lifestyle that I'm, that I'm currently in, in this, in this space. And so it's, it's been a really, really a great journey. You know, I, I manage a very uh, reasonable client load online. Um, you know, I've, I've had anywhere from, you know, six clients to over a hundred clients online and everything in between. And I've, I, I've kind of titrated that in a way that makes sense to me as a, as a business owner, especially when you, when you run multiple um, businesses, even though they're under the same umbrella, it requires a little bit more attention to, into detail in, in certain areas. So um, I'm probably deviating from, from your original question here, but um yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about my background. Um, what else did you want to know, Joey? Well, I wanted you to brag about yourself a little bit, and you're you're. It's so funny in the public eye, you're so humble, but behind closed doors, Paul well, is not very. Paul has competed on the natural bodybuilding stage at the world level. So, yeah. very very accomplished bodybuilder. Um, I wanted you to brag a little bit because. Honestly, the reason I even brought this question up is because I usually have guests on the podcast. And we just start talking about the topic. And I did a podcast with, uh, you know, my buddy, Adrian Chavez. Yes. And we talked about the carnivore diet and somebody commented and they're like, you did, this guy didn't even introduce himself and say who he was or his credentials. Why should I listen to him? And I'm like, oh, that's probably actually a really good point to bring up. So I want you to brag a little bit. But, you know, you shared a little bit of, it, of your educational background. You've worked yeah. with clients for well over a decade now you yourself are are a seasoned lifter have competed at a very high level and essentially i wanted to share that to establish yeah. your credibility because yeah. i know you're not the most credible person but at least will make you seem somewhat credible on air <laughs> and guys if you sense more sarcasm from me than usual it's because this is what paul and my and i talk like all the time like this is what yeah. relationship is great an interesting um, fact before I'll, I'll brag about that, my, my bodybuilding career a little bit before uh, we get into that. So I remember the first time I, I was going to meet Joey, like, first of all, I didn't know he was, you know, a behemoth and just as tall as me. Um, so I remember he picked me up from the hotel in Tampa and, uh, oh my God, I, I, I remember the Instagram live we did and Joey's like, I had no idea Paul was so small. I mean, he just started roasting right away. Like, and it's interesting, right? Because you meet these people online and, and you don't know what their personality is going to be like in, in real life and, you know, their height and, and their, 
you know, character, all that kind of stuff, but it, yeah, hit it totally. off. so yeah, there's plenty of sarcasm. Um, <clears throat> and if Joey put that much effort into maybe his physique, maybe he could get on a bodybuilding stage and, and <laughs> do relatively well. So roasting right back at you, buddy. Um, right all right. Where it hurts. <laughs> so bodybuilding career, I, I competed in undergraduate school, like in 06, 07 in that time frame, And you know, my buddy, uh, Brayden Soul got me really interested in that. Um, I won't give you the whole backstory there. But at any rate, I competed, you know, uh, through for about 17 years. Um, the first several years were self-taught. And interesting thing about that is, you know, when I started to pay attention to the athletes that were coming in dialed, and I'm talking conditioned. And, and let me be clear, like, if, if you're in a fat loss phase, whether, I mean, specifically if you're looking to compete and you start to see your body change, you look like you will look good in the mirror by yourself, but you will undoubtedly uh, be humbled if you think you're going to look, you know, if, if those flaws aren't going to be brought out standing next to somebody who is five pounds lighter or more conditioned in, in particular areas. So you always look good by yourself in lighting that's favorable to you. <clears throat> but when you stand next to a lineup of other athletes who have put in, you know, time and effort into getting as lean as possible, it really kind of humbles you quickly. And so I started to uh, transition away from self-taught coaching. Um, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, might struggle with that, that notion to hire a coach, but if we look at all the greats and I'm not comparing myself to like Michael Jordan's Tiger Woods, things like that, but really these individuals are, are you know, when you're, when you're seeking high achievement, you really want to hand over that trust and that direction and guidance to somebody else. So you can just focus on the day in and day out. This is what I need to do, whether that's, this is the amount of sets and reps I need to do for this particular workout. These are the exercises I need to do. This is the amount of calories I need to eat for the day. It reduces the overall stress that goes into perfecting your craft. And I can't stress that enough. So, and this can apply to people who are in the general health population looking to build some muscle, looking to lose a little bit of body fat, maybe it's to maintain. And so as my career transitioned, um, I'm, I'm tall. Joey and I are, are over six feet tall. So as a natural bodybuilder, it's very difficult uh, to be competitive when you're, I would say, over 5'10". Because a lot of the, yeah. like Brian Whitaker's, I think he's under 5'10". And he looks like he's 230 pounds, but he's like 155, 160 pounds. He's he absolutely, the muscle belly, he just looks fantastic. Um, then you have like your Jim Cordova's, which is back in the early 2000s era. He's one of the guys I looked up to. So being over six feet tall is really, really difficult. And I remember looking at my, my scorecard from the judges and they're like, do you even lift your legs type of a comment? And I, and I remember that. And that kind of was like, now remember bodybuilding is subjective. So be prepared yeah. if you have a fragile ego and you can't accept criticism. It's probably not a sport for you um, or yeah. pageant or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. So I remember um, after that happened, I did some, uh, I think it was called the small off training, small off junior. So I squatted four days a week. And I would suspect that that particular program is meant for people who are running small doses of gear because it was absolutely brutal. Um, Give it a little I, bit of detail. I, I like the 10 by 10s, right? Super yeah, high it's, German. yeah, it's, it's kind of like German volume, but it's like, you know, I think it's like you work up to like eight sets of three. So super low volume, but high intensity at the end of the week. Yeah. And then the beginning of the week is more like eight by seven or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly what it was because that was over a decade ago, but 
it was, uh, I wasn't a calorie surplus, but my legs exploded. Um, and it wasn't until about 2013 ish, 2016 ish, where I really started to see some physique enhancement that was, um, you know, pleasant to see with all the time and effort I had been putting in, um, you know, and placings are, you know, placings are pretty arbitrary because I would argue in 2020 at world championships, I was the leanest I had ever been. I was the biggest, I was 200 pounds on stage I'd ever been. I had shredded glue. I mean, I was, I was diced to the bone and I took fourth, right? But it's relative. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get these individuals that perhaps are very proud of their placings, which I think it's, it's appropriate to be when you do local shows is one thing. When you step on a national or world level, you have people from all over the country and the world that are, you know, essentially fighting for the same goal, different body types, uh, different genetic components, things like that, different training methodologies. It's, it's a lot different. So if you're listening to this and, and you've been competing for a while and doing local shows um, and you're really interested and you want to make a career out of this, um, I would encourage you to do a non-local show. Uh, that, that's a real eye-opener because it will, it will, it will humble you quickly. Um, yeah, the, the, the bodybuilding career w- was interesting. I didn't make any money. I think I won like 500 bucks at a show or something like that. You don't make any money. You spend exponentially more money in contest prep than you do with any amount of money you could make. Um, there are perhaps some sponsorship possibilities, but those are usually just free supplementation uh, offers or discounted you know, rates, et cetera, which can be advantageous. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, it, it, it was interesting because I was talking to, to Abby about this and I almost had a little bit of resentment toward bodybuilding because, and I think in part, and this was probably in 2020, 2021. And I think I held a little bit of resentment because it's something I identified so strongly with mm-hmm. and I wanted to kind of break free from that mold in terms mm-hmm. of like, I don't want to identify as a bodybuilder so much anymore. I'm, I'm known for so much more. I've accomplished so much more. And I think part of that resentment came from my inability to separate myself from that part of my career and close that chapter. And as soon as I was able to kind of work through those mental hurdles, it, it really kind of was my saving grace because I do love bodybuilding. I love the sport. I love watching people compete. Um, I don't get a kick out of people doing it strictly for attention. Um, it's, that's just more annoying than anything. I mean, if, if I, I always, and the reasons that got me into bodybuilding are not the reasons that kept me in the last several years. But the one thing I will say is that um, it was so helpful for me for the last couple of bodybuilding shows that I did to not post about it. Like it was me. It was just me in the trenches, me focusing on my day in and day out. You know, my wife knew Nikki, but, and there's maybe a couple other people, but I was not glamorizing yet. I didn't want people to follow me because that puts an undue amount of pressure on the individual as well. It's another added level of stress, regardless if you're getting support or not, you feel this obligation, like you have to win or something like that. Um, and I remember there's a comment this guy, the gym made to me when I came back and he found out I got fourth. He's like, don't you usually place first or second? I'm like, man, fuck you, dude. Like, you know, like that is such an ignorant comment. Like, you don't like dude, you don't even look like you lift, man. And like, this is the shit you're throwing to me. Like you had nothing nicer to say. Um, so and this- that's just pure ignorance on their end, of course, but it really pissed me off. 
because it just, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was intentional, but I just think it was ignorance on, on his part. So, um, yeah. And interestingly enough, I competed most of my career with a torn left pec. I tore my pec in grad school. Um, it is visible, but, um, like Dorian Yates always talked about, it's, it's a mathematical equation and it's mandatory poses. And if you can hide it well, um, yeah. that's, that's what works. And there was a couple of poses I couldn't really hide it very well with, but you know, I just thought if I came in and in condition enough and it made other people look like they didn't diet, then it wouldn't really matter because the dieting aspect is such a critical component, um, to, in, you know, looking, looking your best on that given day. And it's, it's interesting because the leaner you are, the bigger you look. And I think that's something people fail to, uh, to recognize with the sport. Everybody gets caught up on what weight they're going to be on stage or body fat percentages. That's not judged. It's purely aesthetic and visual and presentation. So yeah. I've seen people that, you know, who were visibly leaner take, you know, a lesser of a placing because they didn't know how to pose. I've seen people that were, um, you know, just backstage and they were just all these different tips and tricks that they would try to do to, to get ready for the day of the show. And it's like, the objective is to be your best for that two or five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever you are on stage with your class. So yeah, yeah that's, it was great. I really loved it. It, it I, I don't think that I would be where I am today in my, you know, professional career, my personal life. If I didn't participate in, in bodybuilding to some degree, for the extent that I had. Yeah. And realistically, what made you um, transition away from bodybuilding? I know right now you're doing a ton of different stuff. You're doing a ton more biking, a yeah. ton, let's say still lifting, but perhaps slightly unconventional compared to bodybuilding style training. What made you transition away from it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think there's a lot of things. I think one of the main components was Honestly, I, it, regardless of how you slice it, bodybuilding is yo-yo dieting. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, you know, people will say, oh, I'm in bulking. Whether you're bulking for six months or building for six months or a year and then dieting, it's still yo-yo dieting on the spectrum. Um, I started to notice some eating disorder tendencies that I would pick up. And I think these were more magnified later on in my career because of what I did early on in my career. Um, not having a coach, et cetera. So now mind you, I didn't, I didn't have to do cardio for the last four shows I competed in. And I came in in my best physical condition ever. Um, it was steps and food manipulation. Not everybody has the ability to do that. So don't think that listening to this, that that's something you can implement. It's, um, uh, Cliff Wilson and Peter Fitchton were both my coaches in my, in my later ends of the career. And neither one of them had me do cardiovascular work, which is really kind of a benefit to me. Um, so I could focus my time and energy other areas. But what initially, what, what, what I guess transitioned me out of it was the eating tendency to, and eating tendencies that I, I identified as slightly disordered, um, hoarding food, saving food, um, daydreaming about food, um, things like that. And, and I knew that those things don't get any better. And, and I think Eric Helms probably did a study on this a while ago. I don't remember it, but I remember listening to it in a podcast about eating disorders in the, and I think I might actually participated in that survey a long time ago, but at any rate, I recognize that as like, okay, is this something I, I want to 
heal from and work past. And if I'm actively, yeah. you know, if you have the, if you're particularly females, if you have an eating disorder or have been, you know, recovered from an eating disorder, competing in a, in a, a physique related sport will magnify those exponentially. Yeah. It doesn't help. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason is my wife and I moved to Montana a decade ago. I love backpacking, uh, fishing, alpine skiing, mountain biking. I've really found a new passion for mountain biking. Um, it's particularly because it's, it's very difficult out here. There's a lot of elevation. There's no, um, real easy or intermediate trails and to, to blend the bodybuilding lifestyle with the things I like to do from a recreation standpoint, they tended to be more like water and oil because you can't really, one of them is going to suffer, right? If you're competing for a show, yeah. but you love the mountain bike, well, could you do it? I think so. But would it be enjoyable? No, because either mountain biking is going to suffer or you're going you're gonna to possibly lose some lean body mass in the process because you're mountain biking and because you're in a caloric deficit. And there's some other, you know, nuances that, that are involved there. It's just my lifestyle, you know, I was starting to recognize my lifestyle was taking a shift and bodybuilding was no longer going to be a part of that. Um, something had to go and I wasn't going to give up mountain biking, backpacking, et cetera. Um, and I remember when I was prepping for world championships in 2020, uh, I, we went on a, me and my buddies went on a big backpack trip. It was like four or five nights. And <laughs> I remember my coach is like, you know, pack your food or whatever. And just imagine having like a 40 pound pack and going 60 miles over the course of four or five days with, you know, four or 5,000 feet of elevation gain, trying to be in a caloric deficit. You would probably be in a caloric deficit anyway, eating, you know, relatively mindfully, um, with, you know, freeze-dried meals and snacks and stuff like that. So that was, that I did plan for that trip. I counted every macro ahead of time, put it in, you know, put it in my phone. Um, I accounted for a few hundred extra calories each day, just so uh, there was a safety buffer there. But like, I was, you know, halfway through the trip, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This is ridiculous. Like, this is the dumbest, like, I would much rather not give a shit if I eat this whole bag of Sour Patch Kids or you know, leave half of it for later. So, you know, there were just some things I was just noticing my lifestyle was not accommodating to what was needing to be demanded. Also, another thing that got me out of it, I mean, some of these physiques are just, I mean, I'm not a small human. Uh, man, some of these physiques that are coming out are Alberto Nunez. If you, if you know him, he, he's worth giving a follow. He's, he's in 3D, 3D JM, uh, the Godfather. He's another one worth following. I mean, these guys are, you know, true stewards of their craft and just seeing some of the competition. Um, I don't, I would rather put my effort into building a business or two, you know, and, and, yes. and being successful others, you know, I, I don't think I could have possibly gotten anything more out of bodybuilding than I had already received. And I think that yeah. was kind of the, the capstone. Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims 
or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at outworknutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference. Choose Outwork Nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights. You know, there's such a big difference between, and Eric Helms talks a lot about this, between competitive bodybuilding and non-competitive bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like oftentimes when people use the word bodybuilding, they're just thinking about like, oh, going into the gym and lifting with an emphasis on building muscle. And that's just hypertrophy training, right? But when we use the term bodybuilding, it's everything else like really taking into account competition and what it takes to get like really, really lean. I was going to use an inappropriate term, but I'm not going to use it. (laughs) That requires some private parts, but I'll, I'll skip over that to get really lean. It's, um, really difficult. Right. And it's funny because at least my, my, um, how I developed my passion for fitness was through bodybuilding style training, mm-hmm. right? I still love it. Like I love training. Like I'm a bodybuilder, even though I've never competed and I have zero desire to compete whatsoever. And I think it's really important to discern the two because they are completely different. Right. And I've, I've had conversations with individuals who have had, um, you know, a competitive bodybuilding experience like yours, maybe not to the same degree, but it's just like at some point across the board for most people, I'm not going to say everybody, but it just doesn't become perhaps enjoyable anymore, right? At least the dieting component, you know, it really does exacerbate or promote unhealthy eating behaviors, which personally is one of the reasons why I've never been attracted to competing. Aside from the fact that like, I'm just not jacked enough. But even if I was, the idea of like, getting that ridiculously lean and having your entire focus be around food and getting leaner just like is not attractive to me whatsoever. I've gotten what I would consider relatively lean before, which is slightly sub 200 pounds at our height. Um, I definitely didn't have nearly as much muscle as you did, obviously, but I had a very defined six pack, very vascular, And I was just miserable, man. Like, I thought it would be something that I would enjoy. I'm like, man, it's going to look really cool. And it's just like not all it seems to be at all, right? You're just hungry all the time. You're fatigued. And then I knew that if I ever did want to compete, how much more I would have to take that to an extreme, right? And to me, it's like, man, I just love food. (laughs) I would never really want to do that at all. And I think it's an important um, consideration that people should think about if they do perhaps want to go down the competitive route and it's something that they haven't done before. You know, it's personally something that I have never found um, attractive at all. Like I've never had any desire inkling to compete at all. So um, definitely totally different there, man. Do you, do you experience this working with clients with people who perhaps like are just starting off to improve health, build muscle, and then they really get into the gym and then maybe a year later they want to compete. Do you see like, people do people really have that hunger to compete in bodybuilding or not really from your experience i think the answer to that is yes but it's 
it, de- it depends, right? I think how that individual, I think we can all agree, like when you start, whenever, when anybody starts lifting, like they love the way they feel afterward, you know, they might not like the yeah. process of the hour of, you know, hypertrophy style training or whatever, but then they start to see, you know, the return on investment, both physically and mentally as, as a part of that process. And then they're looking for other ways to like, how can I push myself further? Which I think is a, an awesome way. Like what's next? How can I improve myself? I think people, I think there are two subcategories of people in this particular question. Subcategory one is somebody who just falls in love with it and they really want to see how they can improve their physique and where they can take it. Right. And they're, and they're just kind of, no matter what you throw at them, they're going to be successful. They want to compete, et cetera. I think there are a subset of individuals that fall into that category. I think the vast majority of people do it for uh, peer pressure. Somebody, you know, like my buddy Braden, he's like, hey, I think you do really good. Encouragement from your peers. That's another reason. And I think it's, I think it has to do with how they've been exposed to the social fabric of the whole competitive bodybuilding industry. I, people, unless you've, I can't speak for, for somebody who hasn't competed yet. The best thing I can say is the idea of getting that shredded and lean sounds better than the actual process. When you are actually in, ingrained in that process. And I made a post like a year and a half ago about this, the, the cost of getting lean. And I posted my off season versus backstage at one of my pro shows. And it was, you know, there are so many things that you have no idea that are going to hit you, you know? And, and I think that that's really important um, to understand before you make that decision. And part of under having that understanding is having a consultation with a coach, right? So they can kind of, and a coach that didn't just do one show or that's in shape, a coach that's actually competed at a high level, um, you know, you know, whether you go the enhanced route or not, that's a personal discussion, uh, personal decision and a discussion we're not going to get into today. Um, but so I think, I think it kind of depends. I think the idea of getting lean, Joey, like you were explaining with kind of with your experience versus the actual process, the idea is always more appealing than the process. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the other aspect of it is that people don't understand like how lean you actually have to get because like, okay, for, for people who are like really into fitness and live a quote unquote fit lifestyle, getting lean is not that difficult, right? Like watch what you eat a little bit, exercise a little bit more, do it for a certain period of time. You'll get pretty lean. You'll look pretty good. You'll have visible abs. But that is still like miles away from where you have to go. And what I try to explain to clients, and I've actually, you know, the demographic that I work with is not individuals who are looking to bodybuild professionally. So that's very far from the type of person that I work with. But I have had clients who have been already really healthy and in really good shape. And perhaps they want to take their physique to that next level. And when we talk about next level here, we're just talking about leanness, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps wanting a more defined midsection, et cetera. And they feel like it's probably not that difficult because they've already been able to achieve a pretty high level of excellence when it comes to their physique development. Like you look at them and it's impressive. They look good. And it's hard to understand how much more sacrifice is necessary for that additional percentage of body fat to come off, right? Like 
let's throw out random numbers, but getting from 25 to 20% is substantially easier than from 20 to 15, which is substantially easier than 15 to 10. It's not a, it's not linear in terms of difficulty. It gets exponentially more difficult and you need to make exponentially more or exponentially larger sacrifices. And it's something that like, I realized the one time I got very lean or what I consider very lean. And I was just like, man, this is, this is not it for me whatsoever. And for me, I've always, always been very um, motivated, I would say, by performance, right? Like more than how lean I am, I care about how much weight I can lift. Because yep. that's what motivates me. That's what I enjoy, right? And inevitably, you're going to get pretty damn weak if you get pretty lean relative to how strong you are when you have more body fat on yourself. You look, um, so yeah, go ahead. go ahead, go ahead. You, you look your strongest on show day, but you are physically your weakest hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't think that this conversation would take, um, this direction, but I think it's a really important thing to discuss. And I couldn't think of any friends that I have better than you to discuss this because you have competed so many times and at such a high level. Um, what are perhaps some considerations that people should uh, consider if they do want to go this competitive route. And in addition to that, what are perhaps some of the psychological changes that occur that people don't understand until you go through it, right? How often or frequently are you thinking about food? What is yep. your libido like? What is your mood like? What is your sleep like? Let's talk about those things. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and you nailed it on the head the, the last probably 10 pounds that you have to lose to get to your stage conditioning is excruciating because you're all of your energy systems, your, your physiology is fighting you. It, you're, you know, when you're going into fat loss phase to, to lose five or 10% of your body weight, right? I would argue it's not terribly difficult if you, if you make some behavioral changes. I mean, it can be difficult for some people, but at any rate, you can moderate or uh, you know, curb appetite by increasing vegetable and fiber. So that shit doesn't work when you're bodybuilding, when you're that lean, it, you could eat two pounds of broccoli. You're hungry an hour later. doesn't matter. So, you know, things to consider before, before going that route is, you know, develop your why, you know, what's a, is this part of your value system? Does your lifestyle allow for the opportunity to spend all of your time and energy essentially on food because that's what you're focused mm -hmm. on. You don't lift any more than you normally would in the off season. People are like, how much, hour, how many hours do you spend a day in the gym? I actually spend less time, 45 minutes to 55 minutes. Um, I'm in and out. I'm stimulating, not annihilating. It's the, the everything else, but it's, it's, it's the, the sleep, um, the stress management, things that you do in a normal fat loss phase, but the extreme to which you take them is so much more difficult. Right? Yeah. So yeah, just understanding that your life will be consumed by it. Um, can you eat out? Uh, are you willing to, to sacrifice eating out? Are you willing to sacrifice your, you know, your Friday night dinner every Friday with, with your group of friends? Like, you, like there are things that you will have to sacrifice because it's like your own controlled individual human trial right? Like you get to control all the inputs and all the outputs and you have to be okay with that. And like you said, Joe, you're constantly thinking about food. You're thinking about your next meal, maybe not initially, 
um, due to hunger, but initially due to like, oh my gosh, I have to plan and prep. So like there's all these variables. And then also understanding that you might have to pick two or three shows because you might not be ready for the first show that you had on your calendar date because you might not look ready. Um, you might look like shit. Who knows? Um, and chances are, if somebody says you're holding water weight, you're too fat. You didn't lose enough body weight. And I know that's like a really non-PC way of putting it, but you do, you're not holding too much water on stage. You're not conditioned enough, hands down. I've never seen somebody holding water weight. It's, they're not conditioned. So at any rate, to the psychological components of bodybuilding, and it's interesting, I, I did some lab tests like pre and post show. I did like four weeks out for my show and then like, it was like a year out, four weeks out, and then like six months post. And there were differences in my uh, free testosterone. Uh, my blood sugar obviously improved, right? Um, because my carbohydrates were exponentially lower um, and I was leaner. Uh, blood pressure was improved. So some health markers do improve, but um, you know, if you're a healthy individual anyway, those aren't really deal breakers. You start to see the other things that matter. Um, I talk about this before, like, uh, your, your shit doesn't work. Your, your dick doesn't work. Um, yeah. and, and guys like, you know, I was backstage in 2012 with, with, with our team and, and our wives were back there. Uh, my, my fiance at the time, Nikki, and, uh, they, you know, we were all kind of laughing because the women thought we were like seeing other women, like we we're messing around on them because we just weren't in the mood. It's like, there's a hundred bikini athletes back here with hardly any clothes on and we're wearing banana hammocks and none of us even like we're all like deflated like your yeah. stuff doesn't work like that's the last thing you're thinking about so endocrine system takes a hit your, your t yep. levels adjust you know um estrogen can be impacted so like all of these variables psychologically like we were just talking about earlier joey you know you're very uh, much uh, a performance driven athlete and so your desire to go into the gym and perform at a high level is very critical to you and important. And so how do you do that? Well, you have to have the nourishment in order to perform well, aside from other things, of course, like sleep, et cetera. As your calories get lower, your energy availability, meaning your energy consumed, your energy that you have readily available to perform becomes exponentially less. Therefore, your output is not going to be as great. So you have to be psychologically okay with you know, your, 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 your pull-ups do get easier. I will tell you that because you're lighter, but you know, like things like your, you know, RDLs, any sort of isolation movements, um, those change. You might actually shift if you really like those big compounds, risk to benefit, you know, the objective is to stimulate, not annihilate. So if you really, like, I really love deadlifting, you know, 12 weeks out, I wouldn't deadlift because my energy availability was lower. I was leaner. There was probably a high probability of, you know, relative risk of injury based on where I was currently in that particular timeline for contest prep. Barbell back squats, those went out the window, you know, which I don't really do those anymore anyway. But like, so some of these things you have to be okay with sacrificing. Um, you're more irritable, right? Because you don't sleep well. Um, you People don't understand that, how negatively impacted sleep is when in you're starving. Yeah. In, and you literally are like, yeah, I mean, it hurt to sit. I'll just put it that way. Like if you're lean <laughs> enough and it doesn't, if you don't, if it doesn't hurt to sit, you're not lean enough. Like you have no, like 
at yeah. the elite level, you don't have any body fat on your glutes. Um, and I say no body fat, but you probably have like, you know, a, a certain percentile, of course, but like you get the idea. You go from, you drop 30, 40, 50 pounds, like you start to notice things about your body that you didn't notice before. Cold. Yeah. Your adaptive thermogenesis is like, you cannot stay warm for anything and say goodbye to a muscular. Like when you go to the gym, everybody's like, oh, I love to chase the pump. Good luck getting a pump. You know, zero pump, yeah, zero pump, which is like the most humiliating thing ever. You're like, I'm the leanest and most shredded I've been, and I can't even get a pump to save my life. Um, yeah, and psychologically, I think the food thing is a big deal, and also post show, which is important to address. If it's your first time competing or your tenth time competing, you under you 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 may have an understanding of like that's not sustainable. But also you want to look at like, even like it, it cracks me up. Like there, there, there's been some, you know, research and discussion about, you know, reverse dieting post-show where you like, which I think is great and helpful, but like imagine dieting for, you know, 30 weeks, right? My contest prep world championships, I dieted from January to end of October. Like I did it very, very slowly. Um, and I, I had its pros and cons. I've done the opposite and done very quick fat loss phases. They both have their pros and cons. You have to decide what works for you. But like d doing a reverse diet, adding 15 grams of carbohydrate, that's almost worse than, than dieting itself, right? Like, so I've found after your show, you want to get back to maintenance as quickly as possible. And honestly, the whole reverse dieting principle, like it's to add calories back slowly, but your metabolism is is no it doesn't make sense period it's always it's already kind of fixed it's in this i don't want to say fixed but like your genetic component your genetic makeup kind of are you have this set point right to which you can like comfortably live plus or minus you know from what body weight you might be at now so like there are other variables of course like if somebody's sedentary and they start lifting and they eat more food like that's a completely different story but if you're you've been struggling with yo-yo dieting back and forth back and forth like I haven't seen any real, you know, successful reversed, you know, diets that have made that individual like, you know, 40 pounds lighter or whatever. Like if that no, makes it's sense. stupid. If you, if you've been dieting and you increase carbs by 15 grams, you're still dieting. Yeah. And what's cool. the point of still dieting after you've dieted for the show already? Like the, that methodology of reverse dieting is like you're just in a deficit for a prolonged period of time after it's it doesn't make any sense period and the likely but, and the likelihood of attrition at that point is exponentially higher because what do you see contest prep athletes do after their show they go eat all the food in the next two days yeah. that they that they weren't eating which is yeah. in that that is borderline an eating disorder like i don't care how you slice it eating two one pound cheeseburgers with fries and milkshake, like, which is just mind blowing that people share that kind of stuff. But it's like one thing they go have a stack of pancakes or whatever, but to just like be a complete asshole, what do you expect yeah. going to happen to your body? And, and what's interesting is, you know, what I, what I would recommend after a, a bodybuilding show is if you're working with a coach, go back to your maintenance calories, right? Because you're likely, you're going to be eating significantly more food than you were. You know, I'll just say three to 500 calories extra a day possibly, right? That's just a hypothetical number. Um, your likelihood of 
feeling over restricted is is reduced. Therefore, your adherence level might be a little bit greater than doing that 15 grams of carbs per week, right? And slowly adding to the back. Like the objective is to get back to recovery because your joints, ligaments, and tendons have also suffered um, from from contest prep, right? Being malnourished, like they're not super vascular, so they take longer to recover. And then also the performance aspect, like you want to get back to, you know, preserving the muscle that you, you know, were trying to preserve during prep and then possibly getting into, you know, uh, maintenance or surplus to build some more lean body mass. Um, so those, those are some things to, to take into consideration um, for sure. Are you tired of spending countless hours grocery shopping, cooking, and preparing your meals? I get it. Time is precious and that's where Icon Meals comes into play. I've partnered with Icon Meals to bring you delicious, macro-friendly and high-protein meals that will make it easier than ever for you to achieve your fitness goals. I understand that you may have hesitations over the cost of a meal prep service compared to cooking food at home. But let's face it, how often do you spend more money eating out because you didn't have time to prepare your food at home anyways? With Icon Meals, you not only save time, but you invest in your health. These meals are carefully crafted to be healthier and more in line with your fitness goals than most of the food that you eat out anyways. So why wait? Visit iconmeals.com and explore their wide array of mouth-watering meals. And as a special bonus for listening to this podcast, use code JOSEPH10 at checkout for a special discount off of your order. By the way, you can find all of the necessary links in the description of this podcast. Don't let time be a barrier to your success. Choose Icon Meals and fuel your journey towards a healthier, fitter you. So I would, I wanted to ask you, so aside from these specific recommendations, because obviously we went into like a kind of a tangent here talking about reverse dieting, what you should do post-show. I really want to go a little bit more in detail in terms of like the negatives that you experienced during contest prep, because I, I, I think it is really important to highlight these things. Um, did you, did you experience, and is it common that people experience perhaps changes in personality, irritability? And oh, did you experience any changes in like emotional regulation? Did you feel any uh, sort of exacerbated sadness or perhaps symptoms of depression? Are those common? Let's talk a little bit about those. Cause I feel like people do not talk about that at all. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of those can be based on, you know, people could argue that the, the whole emotional component is environmental. Contest prep is kind of lonely because you're with your thoughts, you're with, you're, you're kind of in this tunnel vision, right? So it's you and you. I mean, even if you have a support system, I mean, it's, it's difficult. So from, from like an irritability standpoint, yeah, I mean, not being able to eat, you know, 80 grams of oatmeal or just recognizing that things things are being taken away. Like your independence is almost being taken away from you. I'll correlate that with like work and, and get me back on track here. But when we look at like elderly populations that maybe aren't able to drive anymore, you know, and this, and this may seem like a really weird correlation or, or example, but like when elderly people start to lose their independence, their personality shifts, it, it can, it can have a huge impact on their personality because their identity is being taken away from them. Right. So in a sense, like you know, if you're, if you're competing in contest prep, you know, things that you were once able to do that you're not able to do, that impacts you. And it's probably yeah. not in a positive way. So yeah, I would, you know, I would be, you know, I'd have a little bit shorter of a fuse. I'd, I'd be a little bit more irritable. Yeah. I remember I snapped at these two guys at the gym uh, and, 
and I got a, I got a standing ovation from the members at the gym because of this. They were, they were lifting and they were like, when you can hear people over your headphones and they're blatantly being obnoxious, like I just had no tolerance for it. So yeah. I very professionally went over there and I told them to shut the fuck up without saying shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, you know, you are more irritable. You pay attention to things that, you know, you probably wouldn't make a deal out of if you were just kind of yeah. doing your thing. Um, emotionally, there'd be times I'd break down. Like, you know, and people listening to this might laugh at me. It's like, you know, Real men cry, like it's okay to cry. Um, you know, so, so things, things impact you differently. Yeah. And it's just, you won't know until you try, but like, or until you go through that experience, but it's, you know, you're alone with your thoughts. I mean, your, your mind is a very powerful tool and it can be very helpful and it can be very detrimental depending on, you know, what's going on between the ears. So I, I did yeah. experience the spectrum. I mean, there are days where, you know, things are fantastic. And I would say for the most, most of the duration of contest prep, things were great. For the last, I would say eight to 10 weeks, that's where it really, you know, really got, got challenging. And, and, and I think there's a lot of correlation here. You know, I was more strict with with my diet, like I was, I was not going out with friends. Yeah. You know, I was, like things started to whittle down. And I think Lane even made a comment about this, um, which I, I think was a, a really eloquent way of putting it is like trying to get the last few pounds of body fat off is like trying to get the last uh, dollop of toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's absolutely yeah. true. So you're doing everything in your power to do this. So you're sacrificing anything and everything possible including your yeah. physical and mental sanity to do it. Um, yeah, that's such a great way of putting it. I, that's a really good analogy. I, I've never heard Lane say that, but it makes perfect sense. Um, and, you know, I really ask these questions. Just a, a quick answer. Do you think perhaps, you know, some of these uh, changes in emotional regulation or even perhaps changes in personality really might be exacerbated in individuals who deal with some of these things, even in their normal uh, circumstances. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I think I, you know, I don't, I've never been formally diagnosed with depression or anxiety, um, but I kind of question like being an entrepreneur and like my mind is constantly going, Yeah, you know, so, so some of these things, absolutely. And it would be no different than somebody with like, you know, an eating disorder that or recovering eating disorder going into contest prep. It's yeah. going to exacerbate what already exists, right? Um, and I, I brought that up because I think it's an important thing to consider, right? People don't, at least from my experience, I don't know if people tend to consider these things or not, but it's just like, I want to bodybuild. I want to do this. It's like, you don't consider like the emotional changes you'll go through, especially you mentioned it's not the entire time, but the closer you get to yeah. being on stage, if you're, if you're being serious about it, right? The emotional changes the personality changes, um, how that affects your loved ones, because it does affect them. So they need to be on board. And like, yeah, these are all things that, as I mentioned, I've never experienced, but thankfully I have friends like you that are open uh, to talking about these things. And so I have an understanding of what would be necessary. And like my entire philosophy is like, I want to do things that I enjoy and that make yeah. me happy. And that doesn't seem like, like the end reward I know for some people is worth it, right? Winning a show, getting on stage is rewarding, 
And for me, it's just not in any way. <laughs> and yeah. I asked these questions because first off, I'm like talking about personality changes, emotional changes, all this stuff. I was listening to um, a podcast episode on uh, Iron Culture with Eric Helms and um, and shout out to Omar too. He's a co-host. I, we always talk about Eric and then never mention Omar, but both of them, they were interviewing Mike Isratel and like, rather than talking about like science of bodybuilding, they were just talking about like why they bodybuild and what their like background is with bodybuilding. And it's kind of direction we're taking, we did take with this episode, yeah. but Eric was really talking about like the reason why he continues to compete is one, he wanted to be a pro bodybuilder, which now he is, but two, for him, it's almost like a, like a religious or spiritual experience. Yeah. He says that like digging that deep into um, your ability to continue to push through when things get exponentially more difficult always makes him a stronger person on the other side. And I can totally see that and I can I completely understand that. I think I think challenge in any aspect of your life is a really important component of continuing to grow as a person, right? And I can see how challenging yourself by going through contest prep, especially at a high level, is a form of personal development. Um, how much of that would you say was a motivating driver for you? Uh, was it something that impacted you? Do you feel like you are a stronger person that can handle adversity better because of your experiences with bodybuilding? Hundred percent, and and and. I heard that podcast that you're referring to with Eric Helms and, and he's a fantastic resource. He's like the Morgan Freeman of bodybuilding. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's really interesting to listen to, um, you know, and he's absolutely right. It's like a spiritual journey. Uh, this doesn't mean like, if you hear that you need to bodybuild, like that's, that's a unique scenario circumstance to him as an yeah. individual and his wife. It's a tool. Yep. And that was initial, that, that was for much of, much of my experience in bodybuilding, that was much of it because I always hated team sports. You know, I always felt like if I needed to do something, I needed to do it. Like I was solely right. responsible for my inputs, my outcome. The same type of, uh, I guess, thought process applies to me now, but in a different context. Instead of a, like, I recognize I'm not going to be a world champion bodybuilder. And I'm okay with that. Like I've competed at a high level. I didn't even think I'd make pro athlete and I did. And so that was like just icing on the cake to compete at world championships. So like for me now, it's taking the, the, the skill sets, uh, the mental grit and, and the perseverance that I've applied in bodybuilding and I'm applying those principles in business. Right. Like I will get much more out of growing my my gym and my empire locally and, and to some capacity online than I ever will competing in another bodybuilding show. And I recognize that. I'm so I'm using yeah. the same tools and principles, just applying them to a different context to be successful. Yeah. 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 So no, totally. That's a, a great answer, right? Because it's just it's a tool for personal development. And some people rely on that tool more than others. Um I think just challenge in general, always challenging yourself throughout life is incredibly important. Um, anyways, man, I appreciate you a ton being here today, Paul. I do have to wrap this up because I have fatherly duties at the moment. <laughs> um, I appreciate you a ton taking time to be here, my man. Do you mind sharing how people can connect with you, 
on social media, also your online coaching business. If they want to reach out, how can they do so? Yeah. So my, uh, my handle online is coach.pauly underscore Inc. So coach.paulie underscore Inc. Uh, if you go into Joey's comments on most of his posts, you'll see me trolling on there. That's another way you can find me. Uh, otherwise, you can look up uh, my website's called uh, thebar406.com. And then I do have Facebook. It's just Paul Campbell. I'm not super active on Facebook. I had it for a, a while, but I do post occasionally on there. Um, direct message. I'm not going to give my email. I'll just direct message me on social media or comment on one of my posts if you want to have a conversation or you have questions. I'd be happy to help you out in any way I can. Um, and I think that's probably the most, uh, most effective way to get to me. Um, and you know, thank you, Joey, for, I, I know we had kind of a different, uh, maybe a different topic to talk about today. That'll be for another time. This was, this was really refreshing. And I'm glad I got to share part of my story and hopefully this was, um, worth your time and, and your viewers, uh, or listeners rather get, get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, no, totally, man. You know, uh, so for those of you listening that have made it this far in our, in our rambling back and forth. We were originally going to talk about like strategies to start your health and fitness journey in 2024 and like things to focus on and how to be successful. And we kind of alluded to that a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Um, but I'm a really big fan of just having organic conversations, man, because things go in directions that just like feel more genuine. And for example, if we were to plan this episode, we probably would not have planned it the way that we had it anyways. And in addition to that, I think it just highlights your, um, your story and your expertise and what you've been doing and some of the lessons that you've learned. Because oftentimes people do want to embark on this route, right? And at least me personally, like most of my informal education, I would say, is just from listening to people talk about their experiences uh, doing things that I want to do, right? So I think if somebody perhaps is interested in bodybuilding, this would be a very valuable episode for myself. Like I want to learn about business, something in particular. I try to seek out somebody who's a little bit ahead of me who has a podcast or a YouTube channel and just listen to what they have to say. And my favorite type of content is stuff that's not scripted or super like organized, but just like more organic and just talking back and forth. So I personally really, really enjoyed this episode, man. And um, we'll probably have to just record another one to talk about uh, <laughs> resolutions. Although I'm sure, I'm sure every other podcast, every other this podcast has released an episode on New Year's resolutions this week. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways, my man, all of your links will be shared in the description of this podcast. So for those of you listening, if you want to connect with Paula, just scroll down to the description. You'll find him there. If you're on YouTube, it'll be in the comment section. Have a wonderful day, my man. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Joy. Love you, bud.